two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to It Starts With You podcast with me, Mark Hopkins, and a special guest, James Maloney. Hey, James. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? I'm all right, buddy. I'm all right. That was really DJ-esque introduction then. Um, sorry. (laughs) 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 I am am kind of auditioning for Radio 1. I want to be the next uh, Drive Time presenter, because Grimmy's shit. Um, <laughs> oh, is it Scott Mills? I don't know. Who does it? Who does it, though? I don't know. I couldn't tell you, mate. I've not listened to Radio 1 in about three years. Yeah, I think it was Chris Moyles is the last time I listened to Radio 1. And I actually yeah. remember his last episode, and I never listened again after that, other than randomly driving down the M5 one day and tuning into Scott Mills. <laughs> <laughs> and Scott Mills is still alive. He hasn't died of coronavirus yet, um, which, is, which is good. Which is really good. Um, so yeah, this is uh, we, we thought we'd do because um, we did one before the for the election, a bit of a political um, kind of conversation. Well, we try not to make it too political. I think at these trying times, we need to focus on what we can to help us through this. But we did one before Christmas. It was quite successful, actually. It got over a hundred listens, um, which I thought was quite good for such a dry subject: elections and politics. <laughs> um, so I thought on this one we would do about coronavirus, being a small business owner, what we need to do, how we need to deal with it as much as we can, and, and from the political standpoint, an opinion piece, which I think we're going to try to do over the next couple of weeks, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of us are going to be stuck at home with very little to do for the foreseeable future. So, uh, you know, if you, if you want to tune in and listen to... Uh, me and Mark complaining about the state of the world. Then, uh, yeah, come, come along with us. And this is this is this is what me and James do day to day. As you're probably aware of from previous podcasts that we've done, we do this quite a lot. We moan at each other, um, and James gets bored by my moaning quite a lot. Uh, we've, we've, we've reached the point where Mark's wife is increasingly convinced we're having an affair. Um, yes, she calls you my boyfriend. <laughs> oh yeah, love her. Um, Right, where to start? Okay, so here we are. We're, I would call this the first kind of moments before insanity starts settling in. I think this week we've seen, in the recruitment industry, we've seen some huge shocking mass redundancies, sackings, wherever you want yeah. to call it, let go, people. Um, uh, you know, oh, What's your take on it so far? What's your take on that? Well, I, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because on the one hand, you can see from businesses' points of view that they're trying to rapidly and urgently cut costs. Um, uh, on the other hand, it seems incredibly immoral for some of these businesses to be being handed £10,000 by the government and then sacking their staff at the same time. Yeah, um, it, it does make you question the validity of business handouts at a time like this. That's, that is actually one of my worries at this moment in time, is this loan of money, which, which from my understanding, even the business owner needs to put up 20% of that loan, from my understanding as well. Um, this loan of money, but then they take the loan, which is meant to keep the business moving, which means try not to sack staff, try not to get rid of people, but they're still sacking staff and reducing headcount. And as a business owner ourselves, I get that money's tight, but mm. do we need to start cutting people back so soon? I mean, we, we haven't really started. And, and, and Johnson said last night, this could take 12 weeks, which in the grand scheme of business, 12 weeks is a blip. It's a quarter. It's a, it's something that, you know, we're all going to think about, you know, oh, we can get over this and then the next quarter we could try to recuperate. Or do you think generally think that businesses are that close to going bust anyway? I, I mean, it depends on what kind of businesses you're talking about here. There are an awful lot of small businesses that I would suspect are probably two months from oblivion at any given time. I agree. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that's the, that's the main issue with it, isn't it? I mean, it's it's very difficult to make a sweeping statement for all businesses because yeah, you've got everything in there from you know small family businesses that employ a couple of people and have five hundred pounds in the bank and dip into their own pockets to pay salaries, and equally you've got you know, large national companies that are sacking people en masse. And actually, it seems that the people who can least afford it seem to be the ones who are generally doing the right thing and trying to support their employees, whereas yeah. an awful lot of big corporates have been completely 
ruthless with it and just culled all of their new staff. This is that's interesting. You 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 kind of frame it like that because that's what I am actually seeing is large corporate companies. Uh, I will mention one recruitment agency it was a very big agency that dropped a shed load of staff this week. Um, and last week, I, I remember chatting to to a recruiter saying that they've been told not to worry about their jobs, and then this week they're all looking for jobs. Um, it's it, every it's just it's just extraordinary how quickly it's turned. Um, and I, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's large companies are more worried about their profit and shareholders and small companies are, are treating it like looking after their family. Um, how long they can, I don't know. Maybe they've done the math about that and they can work out how long that can go. You and I are small business owners. You know, we don't, we don't employ staff at the moment. Um, how, how do you feel? Do you think you can weather this storm? Um, yes, I, I think we'll be fine. I think, you know, we're on the one hand, we are in a privileged position in that we don't have huge overheads. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which obviously makes this a little bit easier for the likes of you and me to kind of power through this. Um, yeah. I, I mean, on the other hand, the thing that is increasingly irritating is that government's assistance for businesses seems to be very haphazard and untargeted, you know. Uh, anyone without any physical office premises is just completely shit out of luck at the minute. Yeah. And, and this whole government, I mean, there's a package apparently coming later on today where they're going to guarantee 70% of people's wages. Now that's probably the first bit of this support the government's trying to do where I'm actually quite impressed. Everything else so far. Um, yeah. Let's, let's see the detail before we say yeah. guarantee 70% of your wages is a very loose term. Correct. That could, be, that could be underwriting wage payments for bankrupt businesses rather than we don't want to be doing that. salaries. Yeah, I don't see. This is the other part as well. If the if if these businesses are letting recruiters go because they got no money in the bank and and three months of no trade will kill them, I totally get that. You're doing the right thing there. You're probably best to to not try to to get you know your owners in so much debt and and it's probably your time was your writing is on the wall and and sadly that's happened and you need to move on. But if if you're going to then pour money into these types of businesses to see if they survive. Are they going to survive in six months time? Are they still going to be around in six months time? So you could be, like you say, you could be giving good money after bad. And that's the worry there, isn't it really? Um, but is that the risk they take? Is that the risk the government is going to have to gamble on to keep the, keep the economy going? Do you think? I, I think so. I think so. I think the the thing is giving money directly to, well, I mean, the best thing to do would actually be to give money directly to people. Well, to it's gonna, that's what it's going to lead to. Yeah. Um, it's going to lead to we'll get onto in a minute. Yeah. But if you're, if you're going to go down the route of supporting businesses, then certainly giving money directly to businesses is infinitely better than the traditional strategy of giving it to banks. Cause let's face it, as you say, some of these businesses might go bust in six months anyway, but guess what? If you go bust, it tends to be that your biggest creditor is going to be the bank anyway. So the money will yeah. make its way into the hands of large banks either way. Yeah. Um, it just goes through an intermediary this way. And there is some kind of taxable yeah. transaction in the process. 66 billion was the calculation I read. Um, I think it was a Labour MP that came up with it. Uh, that will cost the government per month to give everyone a thousand pound each. And that thousand pound each then will be used in these times of crisis to pay the bills, to buy some shopping. Um, some people are going to keep it and put it in a savings account because they've got money. Some people are going to spend it. The people that need it will spend it. And that's, yeah. I believe, and I said this in the last podcast with, with, uh, with Thomas Woodrum's, Woodrum's um, that to stimulate the economy, people need money. If people are not got money, they're going to hold back. And there's your problem straight away. Now, I'll be honest with you, with this hoarding and, and this massive spend, the retail sector right now must be flipping booming financially. This, this must have made up that loss that they had before Christmas, hugely, times 10. Um, so I, I think we're going to see the retail sector doing very well by the end of this year, um, which could in turn help the economy still move forward. Uh, I'm just worried about the people which don't work in retail and don't have the money that are being affected. And it's everyone. We're, we're talking gym assistants, bar staff, um, recruiters, obviously, because we're recruiters, um, everyone in that sense. So th this is, I believe, UBI, bottom up. We need to support bottom up. But do you think the Tories are going to do that? Do you think this government is going to do that? I, th I think it's a rare occasion where they might, because I, th I think the thing is that 
particularly the kind of uh, sort of neoliberal wing of the Tories, which let's face it, as much as he frames himself as a populist now, that is Boris Johnson through and through with most of his cabinets. Yeah. But their whole worldview is based around this idea that low taxes, small state, low regulation are good because free enterprise is fundamentally good and capitalism is fundamentally a balancing factor. And also this idea that you shouldn't have a huge social safety net because it disencourages people to, uh, you know, to, to do actual hard work. Now, the problem here is that, that there is no hard work to do. They're telling people not to go to work. So the, their worldview kind of comes crushing down at this point. Um, and we're into this kind of wartime economy view. Where Which actually, is a socialist economy, isn't it? It swings yeah, towards a socialist economy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not quite a socialist economy because I don't think we're talking about state ownership, although uh, we might get to that point with travel and utilities, I think, reasonably soon. Yeah, um, that's what happens so, in the war, though. They take over, don't they? they this, is, this is, I mean, admittedly, in the last big war we had was over 70 years ago, but they, the utilities back then were state-owned. But now they're privately company-owned and there's no profits coming in, or some of them will have profits coming in, but it's very little. So... Are these people going to, these shareholders going to leave in droves? I mean, the stock market is looking very shit at this moment in time in that comparison. Yeah, I mean, the thing, the thing you've got to remember is obviously there's uh, people talking about people are at home more so, electricity and gas companies will make more money. Well, actually, no, because the vast majority of their profits comes from the commercial supply side. The, I was the, just going to say, yeah. Side, yeah. It's bordering on being a lost leader for most of them. Uh, domestic supply makes very little money. What? While it feels like our energy bills are very high, and actually, yes, they are very high, energy infrastructure is very expensive. Mm. You know, bulk supply costs are quite high. Uh, the vast majority of profits comes from the likes of manufacturing, where they use huge amounts at quite a high cost. I can, I can give you a guarantee that what you're saying is correct there, because a client of mine told me how much he paid for his very small facility in one quarter, which is over £120,000 for, yeah. for, for that building. Uh, it's not a big building. Trust me on that one. And that's what he's paying every quarter for his for his uh, for his business. So it is huge, hugely. And he's he's admitted as well that it's ridiculous amount. I think he pays three times more than than domestic. I think he said yeah. in in costing. Um, and now with green tariffs and and all this type of stuff added to it, um, yeah. So if, you know, if these companies are shutting down for two three months, can you imagine? You know, that that's sixty grand there. Or maybe fifty grand there. Then this company is not paying into into the power companies. How many of them are going to walk? How many shareholders are going to get impacted by that? It's, it's quite it's quite fascinating. Quite fascinating. We all should buy shares in Asda right now. That's what we all should do. <laughs> but what what is the likelihood though that we will have a universal basic income moving forward for a temporary period of time? Do you think there's a likelihood of this? I think it's. I'm not. I'm not convinced at this point because they've started talking about this twelve twelve weeks and it might be over, which I'm dubious about. Um, I think it's that they don't seem to be planning for a long term enough crisis for that to be necessarily need. Well, in their view, needed. I think we'll certainly see some sorts of protections. I think we might see a suspension of council tax reasonably soon. Yeah. Um, I think we might see the extension of universal credit to everyone without a real application process. I think yeah. that will come before we have checking in, dash insurance bank. and then bank details and off you go. Yeah, as I I I fear in that. I'm also hearing things like Asda, for instance, if you just go down to their local store, give them your national insurance number, passport and your bank account details, um, they'll put you on the list and you could start work tomorrow if they need you. Um, at the moment, they're being swamped. Aldi is being swamped for applications in my local area at the moment. Um, but, you know, if anything anyone can do, more, you know, the government's pouring money into this now to help help the economy to keep it going. Um, it's hope it, it's the right money in the right place. That's all I'm hoping for. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I think you're right. What was this? We were chatting about something. You you mentioned it yesterday to me, and I, I apologies that I'm putting you on the spot a little bit about this. But you were saying something about credit wiping out credit or something along these lines as one of the methodologies to support the economy. Yeah, it's it's a it's a possible solution that if they're going to go down a, a top down approach, which actually Johnson seems to be politely well, but if they do want to go top down and do some sort of stimulus package through the banks, actually, I know this has been talked about in America. Uh, loosely 
yeah. a better solution than giving them money in order to lend might be to go for a debt relief package for the entire country and for the government to distribute money to the banks and essentially for the government to pay off some of everyone's debt. That's interesting. That's interesting because the debt in the UK we worked out yesterday was 1.28 trillion, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, that includes mortgage debt um, and bank loans and credit cards and store cards and yeah, stuff like that. Let's say you do a 130 billion package, or what you would do is you would just wipe 10% of all debts in the UK proportionally. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is a logic thing because that will reduce burden on a vast majority of businesses and people, especially on their mortgage. If they can wipe out 10% of someone's mortgage, that reduces a mortgage by five years in some respects, up to five years, well, I should this, say. This is the thing. It sounds illogical and it sounds unfair to people who don't have debt and people are going, oh, well, I, I've worked very hard not to have any debt, so this doesn't help me. But actually, people who have debt at the moment accrued that debt at a time when the pound was much stronger and the national economy was much more robust than it is. And you've got to remember that, you know, we, we don't have a economy where our currency is tied to gold or silver anymore it is tied to value of the national economy correct yeah so, you know the, the FTSE has absolutely crashed your money while exchange rates wise it might not change much because everyone else's economies are in the same boat your money is worth very little versus what it was a month ago even if it doesn't feel that way because prices have stayed the same your yeah. money is representing your share of a much smaller whole now it's grossly unfair that you have people have these vast sums of debts still at quite high interest rates. I agree. I agree. And this is the yeah, this is the thing. And the interest rate of the Royal of the Bank of England came down yesterday to 0.1%, unprecedented, 350 years. That's never happened. Um, in our lifetime, James, we've seen a quite a sizable recession. The Bank of England bring down a huge amount of money on, on interest virtually no one's money is actually worth anything at the moment we're, we're living in such exuberant times when was the you, you're a historian you're, you've got a degree in history can you think back of any time in history where this has happened and how we how we got out of it um well, the short answer is no i mean i guess the closest thing you could look to it is sort of i guess the, the great depression or the post-war economy but the reality is that we still had currencies tied to gold uh, yeah. yeah gold silver physical reserves because um, yeah. there's a fun, fun, fun territory yeah i was gonna say fun fact about gold gold hasn't changed in, in price or value for thousands of years apparently it moves up and down on the stock exchange but the actual physical value of gold is still the same for a long time so a bar of gold in jesus christ's time is the same price today uh, as a bar of gold today as 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 a center ground for value, if that makes sense. Um, whereas, you know, uh, well, who was it? Who was it? Said, oh, I was, I'm sure I read this on the internet. There's a problem reading things on the internet. Um, a bar of gold can buy you the same thing back then as it can today, or something like that. In, in the last thousand years, so the value, actual value of the bar of gold, things may have changed. As in, like you know, the size of a property might have changed. Where you can buy a bar of gold, but you you can still get certain things with it. Um, and we don't have that. <laughs> so what can we base our value on? Pounds dropping. Um, euros. Is the euro dropped? The euro hasn't dropped much, is it, against the pound? I think the euro is stronger against the pound at the moment. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, the euro was already so strong against the pound anyway that this has made little difference. Um, well, I think the, the, the only winners in terms of currency value are probably going to be the Chinese. Yeah, there's a conspiracy theory going around about the Chinese at the moment, um, which I'm trying to lay like down and say, well, you, you're, you're comparing apples with pears at the moment because the Chinese economy is completely different to the Western world's economy, first of all. Second of all, they're outside of, of Corona now. They're, they've got no cases left. So their economy is going to boom back. At, I think it's a point three points now, I think it is. I think it's yeah. whereas, whereas the rest of the Western world is like minus 25. Um so you, it's, you can't compare it. And you can't say it's a conspiracy theory as well that this virus was created by Russians in a lamp or Chinese in a lamp somewhere just to get ahead in the economy because that's not how economies work in the world. Viruses will slow it down, but people just print more money and that's how it'll work. Um, rich people are not going to get that poor, are they, really, in this situation? No. No, a couple of months. No, no, a real 
boomer, a real thing that will bust economy is a war. A real, you know, you look at the Second World War and how that heavily hit the entire world. Um, and it took them 70 years to pay themselves out of that, out of that world. Yeah. So in comparison, though, is, is this like a wartime situation? Are we in a war situation? I mean, it is and it isn't. In terms of kind of a need for uncontrolled public spending, yes, you can see it as being similar um, and the kind of requisitioning of materials, etc. But, I mean, in reality, no, not really. It's, it's not the same. It doesn't function. The thing with a war is that you can produce you produce loads of stuff, production goes up during a war, it's just production of arms primarily. Wars are a great way of stimulating economy because the actual best way to stimulate economy is to, for the government to spend lots of money on things which then you would essentially dump into the sea is the kind of classical example of how you could actually stimulate an economy by government spending. You get people to produce a pointless object and dump it in the sea. Yeah, That's exactly what munitions are during a war. You produce lots of shells, you fire them at people, they explode, you need some more. Yeah, um, that's why war economies work so well, and to an extent, medical consumables fill that same role. Um, oh, interesting, right? Masks, gloves, infection control materials, etc. Yes, they do the same thing, but the scale is so vastly different. Like the cost of you know a, a surface-to-air <coughs> missile is vastly disproportionate to the cost Surgical of masks. masks. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And that's where we're at at the moment, aren't we? We're we're looking at distribution, manufacturing. Um, you know, in a, in a country where manufacturing was dwindling, coming from a, a manufacturing recruiter here, and uh, it's got a tough market. Suddenly, we need this manufacturing base. Suddenly, we need these this sector to support this 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 absolute crisis that we're going through at the moment. And that really does put perspective to me about where we were as economy, and where we were as a country, and where we were in the global sense as well. Um, and now we look at it. Do you think we're going to change? Do you think things are going to change moving forward? I, I would, I would think so. I think this, this is a landmark moment for the world economy. This is, you yeah. know, yeah, an epoch, an epoch in society. Not to be overly dramatic about it, but this is this generation's nine eleven. Yeah, I, do you know what? I, I agree with you there, and I think nine eleven wasn't as big as this. I know that sounds horrible to say that, but I think nine eleven had a massive impact. I was, I watched it on TV live the second aircraft hit the tower and yeah. my utter shock happened in that instant. This is a different type of shock. This is more of a slow kind of process of shock and, and realization that, you know, number one, we're mortal and how quickly this virus can really impact our, vice, uh, our, our, our lives, not just financially, mentally as well. I think we're all really suffering. You read some of the stuff you see in social media, people are generally really scared. And I, I've never felt that in society before. Um, we haven't really been scared. I mean, you know, my grandparents were in the war and they were, they mentioned to me that they were, they were not scared, scared, but they were always worried about what will happen the next day. And, and, you know, we know history and we saw how the war ended and how it all went ahead. But, when that war ended, you, you look at the, the pictures of that, of of like D-Day and, and the parties on the street and everyone dancing and, and stuff like that. You know, that, that, that shows to you how that society was so pressured. And, and the war didn't really end for them until, the, what, the early 50s with rationing, didn't it? it? It didn't really, really end. And I worry about that for us right now because we're seeing a very similar scenario of this slow process of, of stress, anxiety, and, and, and mental... Um, kind of uh, afflicted here from this situation. There was a point I was making, by the way, and I can't remember where I was going with that. <laughs> um, but but do you know what I mean? It, it, it's it's pre it's pressured, and uh, I think I generally think you know Johnson saying it's going to last for twelve weeks. I think that's being very optimistic. I th I think the impact of this it's going to be a lot longer, don't you think? I, I would think. I mean, the impact will last for years. This is the reality. We're going to be coming out of a recession at the end of this. Yeah, and this is this. I'm trying to lead to this positioning of the UK at the moment on the global stage with Brexit coming up. And I, I'm, I'm, I've remained. I think Brexit should stop because if we're going into a, we were going to have a little loss with Brexit. It was an acceptable loss to some. It wasn't to others. There was an argument. We all know the argument. But I think now, if we're going into a recession, do we want to go into a double recession? As in, 
removing ourselves from the global stage and trying to go it alone in a time that we're coming out of an almost war-esque environment um so that's you know three what was it 330 billion these they're pumping into the economy the banks they're got not, are they they're not pumping 30 billion and you, in, in my view the amount that you do in loans is not money you're pumping into the economy i agree with that they're just printing that money by the way quantitative easing yeah. is 200 billion wasn't it that the banks could yeah. produce um if we were somewhere near the recession of 2008 2009 um that means we've got what 10 years of austerity to come after this again if that's the case uh brexit was predicted to be around about five years six years of austerity this could be a big big thing for us this this oh. might be a i don't we could re- oh, i don't know <laughs> i don't know how to put it out there i don't know i'm i'm doubly worried about brexit now more than i've ever been if i'm honest with you with this situation yeah. it's unprecedented you know no one knows what's going to go on i don't want to freak people out by the way i'm just theorizing yeah we don't know for a fact no yeah yeah so yeah but as as i oh, what did i say to you before we started this podcast <laughs> more positive mark I think <laughs> and, and i am going to try to be positive and i think that's the point here is is that we need to take a day as it comes now take everything in our pace let's let's mm. focus on what we can do now rather than worrying about what the future will look like and and trust in each other basically to to get ourselves through this um it's nice to see that people are helping each other as well they're dropping yeah. the shit um, um yeah see do you know what really freaking annoyed me during the whole brexit debate it was like people were saying oh if there was a war now you millennials you wouldn't know what to do uh, what we're seeing right now is, is is exactly what i i felt the society would do in a crisis which is yeah pull together pull together and help each other except for those small group of people which i'm, I'm very annoyed with which is the hoarders well, it's the hoarders and the people completely ignoring social distancing who are completely obnoxious oh um, you mentioned this earlier on to me yeah the, the, it's, it's psychology isn't it it's this disbelief we've we've seen this too many times over the last 10 years the disbelief that it will happen to them and this is why i said we're now realizing our own mortality a couple of weeks ago, people were saying to me, shut up, Mark, about this virus. It's only killed 10 people across Europe. Don't worry about it. Look where we are now. Yeah. It, it, I think we need to educate ourselves a lot more about the, uh, the math of it and how it works and how the virus hasn't got uh, a, a vaccine. So this is a rogue virus with no vaccine. It's the first time we've ever seen it. It's unpredictable. Every country's got different measures that have worked, not worked. Look at Italy, went from, what was it, 400 cases to 4,000 deaths um, yeah. over, overnight. It's unprecedented. So we need to realise that. So like you say, with the social distancing and the hoarders, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy times. Crazy times. Yeah, I think yeah, people who are still going to the pub despite the government saying not to go to the pub. Just what? Why on earth would you do that? Do Do you think it's it's denial? Do you think these people? No, I don't think it's denial. I don't think it's denial. I think they're well aware of the situation. I think they actually just don't care. I think people, a lot of people, are being very self. A minority of people, but are being fundamentally very selfish and actually just don't care. Really, I, I'm very shocked with society. If they, if, if they, well, there'll always be that group, won't they? I mean, in every crisis, there's always that group of a bunch of arseholes that, that don't listen to it and heed advice. Um, I, I, it's, it's worrying. I think, I think the government's made a huge error here as well, though, in that they've told people not to go to the pub and then allowed the pubs to remain open, which is very yeah. confusing. That is confusing. There's a few confusing, conflicting things coming out of this, though. Where you know last week they, they were or a couple of weeks ago they announced the budget and the budget was a bit tame in comparison right. to what what needs to happen. Then the next week they released more money about uh, and more things, more ideas. And again, it's not correct. It's not the right things to release just at that moment in time. Then recruitment agencies and various companies around the country started sacking people because there was no real tangible support or vision or or direction coming from the government. So 
it's it's interesting to see these these certain things are starting to happen from the government at the moment and which direction they really want to curl this into I, I, it's I fascinating from that you think oh that was that was a question i saw online actually um uh, not that was asked to me just someone was asking generally on twitter this question when the iraq war happens where where the weapons of mass destruction afterwards there was an inquiry to figure out that there was no weapons of mass destruction mm-hmm. and to figure out what had actually happened do you think this is going to happen for johnson when this is finished no, I, I don't. Uh, it's a short answer. I, I think, depending on what Johnson does, he may be out of power reasonably soon. If he, if he's, the measures he takes aren't sufficient, they seem to have been insufficient. But I think, uh, much like you know, being prime minister during a genuine state of war, rather than you know, one, uh, we're not talking kind of a you know, invading somewhere half the world away without a proper functional army. We're talking you know the Second World War. Taiwan, the public are genuinely fairly sympathetic to crisis leaders, provided they're not incompetent. And that's a big provided with Johnson. But I think he's actually doing a lot of the right things at the minute that he's delegating to medical experts. Yeah, yeah. I think the expert side of it, from my perspective, is probably the, the only good thing he's doing at the moment. I think the financial side of it is the biggest worry for me. Um, yes, I think, I think they're, they're really mismanaging the economic support because they're not going hard enough and fast enough with economic support. But I think, yeah. uh, you know, the experts giving him all the correct advice, uh, the fact that he's not implementing hard enough on social distancing. Um, but but the, this, is the, this, this is the problem because the, the medical experts have this graph and they're trying to do these things at certain points along the way. And it feels like they're doing it very timely and on the week rather than doing them, you know, randomly on a Wednesday afternoon, we need to do this. They seem to get to a Friday and say, right, as of Monday, we can't do this. Like a virus works on a Monday to Tuesday basis, a Monday to work Friday basis. Uh, yeah, I get it, but I also get why they do it that way. I think Fridays are a sensible time to bring in new measures because you have the weekend to break up. Uh, you know, like you can't just suddenly say to people at 12 o'clock on a Wednesday, all the trains are running now because everyone's at work and it's going to go, well, how the fuck am I going to get home? Yeah, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. They're but but that's that's the problem with then, you know, it, my my theory is for for most of this is that what they're trying to do is not um, impede too much on public services like the NHS. Um, that is an exposure of what the NHS actually is at this moment in history, which is an underfunded organisation with with understaffed at the same time. So what what they're trying to do is reduce the pressure on that underfunded. Uh, underfunded NHS and understaffed so that we can minimize the amount of people that die but that's really the problem here isn't it really because it's underfunded we have to do this and the impact now is on the economy not on um the government you know we're not on not you know the impact is on society because of austerity and because of, of underfunding over the years or am i completely wild and and gone off in a, a conspirator kind of direction with this thought. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, Mark. Um, it's the, the thing is, is it's, we're dealing with a lot of stuff at the minute, which is very much new. There's a lot of new ground here. There's new ground politically. There's new ground for economic policy. And this is completely new ground for health policy. We've never done anything like this. We, yeah. we don't know what the right thing to do is at the minute this is the main problem yeah i think you're right i think you're right everything is unprecedented everything's in the air this is a really doom and gloomy podcast thank you very much for this james (laughs) (laughs) on the positive side look this is going to rebound quickly the economic side is a temporary i agree yeah I agree. I, I, this is the thing. As soon as the last case of coronavirus is confirmed, and then the next day, no more coronavirus, there will be a bounce back in the economy. And I, I think a lot of people are losing their jobs today. Those companies which are sacking them are going to be looking very silly come July, August time. Um, but the economic impact to society afterwards is the bit that needs to be addressed today rather than later on to minimize that problem that's that's my yeah. worry that's my I worry think, i think the, i think the company looking silly is a really really good point when we're looking at is it right or wrong for them to sack employees 
if this goes differently to what we expect, let's say something miraculous happens, you know, let's say the warm weather suddenly really affects transmission, because we don't know how this virus transmits, you know, let's say the weather warms up a bit, transmission drops worldwide, this is all done in eight weeks' time. Yeah. It, companies will be judged for a very long time based primarily on how they treated their employees during this. If you are a large national corporation and you sack half your workforce to cut costs now, and then in eight weeks you're offering them all their jobs back, you are going to look incredibly bad and you may not recover from this. That's interesting you put it, frame it like that as well, because it, they will need the people back. If the business, if the markets start picking up and there's jobs out there, especially in the recruitment industry and companies are knocking on the door saying, can you help me fill this job? And you've got an empty office. You're going to look very silly, aren't you? Very, very well, silly. Let's, let's put this you, you work for a company. You've been there for 18 months. So you're under the two years. They can sack you for whatever they want. You know, you turn around and go, oh, my, my partner's self-isolating, so I'm going to self-isolate for two weeks. And go, well, actually, you know what? In that case, don't bother coming back in. You know, we need to cut costs. We're going to be closing the office anyway, so we're, we're making you redundant now. Would you want to go and work for that company? Or would you feel secure working for that company ever again? It's interesting. You're right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Many years ago, we were looking for recession-proof jobs, weren't we? And we're going to now start looking for virus-proof jobs. <laughs> we, we know, really, what the real recession-proof jobs are. They, they are essential public sector jobs. That's, yeah, we talked about this before. Or, or work, working at a reasonably essential level for the likes of a bank is reasonably recession-proof. Yeah, yeah. More, jobs which position yourself in the marketplace where they're in need are quite extraordinary. We're in, like I say, these extraordinary times now where lorry drivers and, and people that work in Asda and Sainsbury's are now key workers in our society. They're important to our society. Yeah. And I think we need to realise this, that everyone in society is important in any situation. You know, us as recruiters are vital to some companies to find them the right staff in order for their business to survive because they can't find those staff. So we're important in that scenario. The company we recruit for, maybe a medical respirator manufacturer, who's important now for the NHS. The nurse that uses that respirator is really important to look after you. It's interesting you say that, and actually this is reflected somewhat in the state of the stock market. I know we talked a little bit about, is it a good time to invest earlier? Yeah. I've just had a good look through a load of uh, kind of popular stocks at the minute. And the one that stood out to me, uh, Gilead Pharmaceuticals, is up 13%. Yes. yes. They, are, they potentially will be the ones who produce the corona vaccine. Um, pharmaceutical companies are doing quite well at the minute, some of them. A lot of them are still down, but they're down a lot less than the rest of the market. Yeah, yeah. But six, you know, six months ago, pharmaceutical companies owned the shit kicked out of them because they were profiteering from the NHS. Yeah, this, there's a lot of hatred towards pharma companies. I must say, we seem to act like pharma companies in Europe the same as they are in America. You know, this we do not have the Americans. You don't run the amount that American pharma companies charge is extortionate to the private system in America because they can get away with it, and that's how it all works. Um, but actually, you know, without pharmaceutical companies, we wouldn't have vaccines and treatments for any of these things. You know, states do not really produce new drugs to an to any great extent anymore you know universities will research but guess what the university's research is usually funded by pharmaceuticals this is how the capitalist economy works pharmaceutical companies have saved more lives and extended quality of life to more people than probably any other industry on the planet yeah that's isn't amazing but it's all shifted everything's shifted so now you know most people are, are staring down the barrel of a, of a virus and, and are worried and generally scared and now the people that we months ago didn't think were key workers were important to society and now more important than the people that we 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 believed in were, were important like celebrities <laughs> and stuff like that who gives a fuck about them now <laughs> who really cares let's focus on the good people it's, it's, yeah, I, I I want to put some hope in this. I really do, I, and I am hopeful. I am I I'm, I'm sounding pessimistic only because of we we just want to have a a good conversation in a podcast more than anything. I, I am actually quite optimistic and, and and thoughtful for the future. And and you have to control what you can control at the end of the day. So look after yourselves and and look after your finances and 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 
you know, focus on looking after your family at the moment and listening and heeding to the advice. Would you agree, James? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, I think the big takeaways here are, you know, wait and see what the government is going to do on the finance side. Uh, you know, if you are in trouble, please don't be scared of, you know, I mean, Martin Lewis touched on this yesterday, didn't he? Don't yeah. be scared of getting credit cards and borrowing money. Uh, you know, the entire system is going to be like this for the foreseeable future. You know, you will be able to get 0% credit. Banks have no interest in lots of people going bankrupt and defaulting on mortgages, defaulting on cars on finance. You know, there will be credit available in the system for those who need it. Yeah. And I think, secondly, you know, please, for God's sake, listen to the government advice. If they're telling you not to go and socialise people, don't go down to the pub because... You know, you're trying to do some spirit of the blitz bullshit. It's ridiculous. You, are, you know, how, how many coffins in a row have to be coming out of nursing homes before you regret going to the pub? Oh, there's, yeah, there's going to be a backlash to, to the people that have done this, and especially the ones um, that, have, that may contract the virus as well and they realise they have to be sitting in a, in a hospital with a respirator on them because they can't breathe properly and that's what's going to happen and, and sad, I, I heard something quite sad last night because I'm a big fan of listening to LBC Radio and one of their newsreaders, Theo Pathetis I think is, no not Pathetis, Theo um, one of their political newsreaders is actually in hospital right now with pneumonia from this virus and he's, he's young he is fit He's a lovely guy. He has a he has a, a small child. He has a baby child. Uh, I, th- I think she, I think she's about two or three, uh, which was made famous one day because he was doing a news report from home during the Brexit, and the, the, the child passed him a car <laughs> live on the radio. <laughs> so he, he worried for his job apparently after that. Lovely guy comes across very professional, very knowledgeable, and he's in the hospital right now. And he's fit, by the way. He's young and fit. He's in his thirties. So that's. This is, I think a lot of people aren't taking this very seriously because they see the death toll and see the kind of people who are dying from it. But I think what people aren't realizing is there's, there's a big spectrum of how ill you can be here. You know, yeah, you've got a, what about about seven or eight percent chance of being in hospital for this. Uh, you yeah, know, and I think a lot, of, you know, a lot of these people have any experience of you know an ICU unit or anything. You know, I mean, let me tell you categorically as someone who you know has recruited in healthcare and medical devices for half a decade. You don't want to be ventilated. It's really, really nasty. You yeah. are not going to enjoy being on a ventilator. It is an absolute hellish experience. Yeah, you it don't. It's going to be the worst suffering you have ever experienced in your life. It is not worth being ventilated to go and get a last cheeky pinting. Yeah, and you will have cannulas on you, and you will have tubes going up your bits uh, to help you pee. Um, and stuff like that because they don't, don't want you to move they want you to sit in bed and and you probably won't have much to do as well but it's not about that it's about how painful it will be and how it'll yeah. keep you awake do and you how... want to spend two weeks with a tube i mean best case scenario with a plastic tube rammed down your throat yeah worst case scenario with a tracheostomy which is going to leave some hideous scarring for the rest of your life that's... you don't want that yeah that's the extreme end admittedly if you've got issues wrong with you and then this is the important part we said we said this before the podcast is is you know the categories of people which are which need to really really look after themselves people with diabetes um i didn't even i wasn't even aware until recently that this this group of people which is it's just really hard hitting because there's a lot of people with diabetes that don't realize they got diabetes by the way um they're in a huge worrying category anyone with asthma huge worrying category and you're still going down the pub and you will yeah, know I, I think the other thing to talk about here as well is pe- people who aren't taking the risk to others seriously i you know i i have a close personal friend who uh, you know ha- has a stent in his heart and he's, he's, a, he's a cancer survivor and a heart attack survivor and he's not particularly old he doesn't look like he should be in that risk category but he he you know he went to the shops yesterday and he, he asked someone to, to keep sort of two meters away from him while queuing uh, and this person started verbally abusing him in, in the shop, saying he's ridiculous. So we, we need, you know, we need legislation to cover this right now. We need stricter government guidelines to protect people from ignorant members of the public. You know, if you are deliberately going within two meters of people and you're not taking it seriously when you've been told to move away and to socially distance from people, you have to go to the shops to get medicine and food. 
you should, well, quite frankly, you should be being arrested and fined. It's ridiculous. <laughs> That's the, and, and this is this is the issue, isn't it? We're we're not quite there on draconian kind of measures and and you know police action. Although the coronavirus legislation was drafted last night, I think it's going through today. Am I right? Am I correct in doing that? Which yeah, will get today. Yeah, which will give powers to police to quarantine people to arrest and force quarantine on people in extreme situations if i uh, boris johnson doesn't want to do lockdown london is probably the pl- first place in the country that will get locked down if it gets locked down i'm not too sure he doesn't want to lock down the country he's more worried about the economy than he is about people that's the problem there with that respect but does the country need to be locked down or do we need to just give people the education and say look come on let's work from home which sensible people in their droves are doing at the moment which i i'm actually thinking well done to every single person that takes that bit of advice do we need to lock down <sighs> i don't know but the problem is here we need sensibility and and i think a good chunk of society and i wouldn't put a percentage to it but it's a large number of people are just not listening or heeding to advice this is real people this is a real situation and we can get through this if we listen to advice. Yeah, I think this, I think I think the the best analogy for it is kind of the, the attractive hazard concept in law, particularly out in the US. Like, that, for example, if you have a swimming pool in your back garden, and a four year old climbs over your fence because they they think, oh, a swimming pool, I want to play in that, and they fall in your swimming pool and drown, that's your fault for for not covering and securing your swimming pool. Now, the analogy here would be, you know, the government are the home homeowner pubs and restaurants are the swimming pool about <coughs> the four-year-old child yeah. they're creating an attractive hazard by allowing these businesses to continue trading this is very interesting very interesting you cover that because it's it's almost like um social media policy people think they have freedom of speech on social media but if you read the policy from facebook you don't you don't have freedom of speech sorry you have acceptable levels of speech which is given freely to you until a moderator deems it unnecessary and wrong. So you can't go and then say your th- your thoughts about another race of beings um, because that's deemed racist in society as well. So it's not freedom of speech. Sorry, go you know go away with your thoughts. And this is the same thing with society. We are signed up to social a, a policy in society, and we have to listen to. The, you know, we're British. The British government rules us, they run us. Yes, we voted them and they should service us. But in times of crisis, that role reverses. They are looking after us now and we have to listen. We have to heed the advice in this crisis. Um, and it's sad, it's sad that we have to say that, actually. I, I wonder how many people listen to this podcast. I, I, I'd be surprised anyone listening to this podcast that will be like that, though. I think everyone that listens to this and, and we speak to day to day tend to be quite law-abiding citizens and, and, and generally concerned for their safety and, f- and fear for their lives, um, which is, you know, which, it's sad that we are there, but we will be fine. We will be fine. We will get through this. Yeah, yeah we, we will be. I think as, as long as people are sensible and listen to the advice and, you know, look, I fully understand the government needs to do more to support people. I think it's very easy for people to ignore the advice while the government are not supporting people. I think once the government start handing out money, which I think is probably coming in some guys over the coming week, um, once that starts to happen, I think there is a much stronger argument for, right, we're giving you money to get you through this, but you must now obey these regulations. Yeah, yeah. I think that will lift spirits, by the way. I think, you know, even if it's a token gesture of £100 per person per week, um, I think that will still lift spirits. It'll raise a lot of people's, you know, thoughts and, 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 and hope as well. We've got a divide here. We've got people who are are obeying social distancing and the people who aren't at the because They've got the option to not obey if if they want to. I think in terms of fostering sort of a community spirit and a sense of we're all in this together, closing down, you know, meeting places is a sensible thing to do because then people don't have the option of going, well, sod this and going to the pub. We are all in this together. We're all doing the same thing. Where I live, if I look out of my front window, if I go and stand on my balcony in front of my flat, I can see into a pub full of people. That that's worrying. It's very demoralising when you when you're trying to do the right thing and stay inside. And you're just looking at people going about their lives and pretending nothing's happening. Yeah, yeah, that is worrying. That is worrying. But you don't. I mean, an equal to that though, you don't need to put your life hundred percent on hold. You can still do no, your job if you, if you do. Yeah, yeah. You just got to be mindful. You got to be cl- 
cautious of this you know for pubs god alive when i used to work in pubs when i was a student i used to dj in pubs it's a proper sweat box when you get it to 11 o'clock at night especially if you've got music going and everyone's a bit drunk god alive you know we like you say we don't know how this virus really really transmits from people to people you know we say wash our hands that's just general hygiene in a situation of which a disease is around like norovirus wash your hands you know it's 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 not a death sentence washing your hands it's just you know you're going to do it it's clever hygiene clever thoughts um i could tell you a story about the guy that created that hygiene it was in the 1800s i can't remember his name off the top of my head stanley something i think his name was um and he for 10 years argued that wash not washing your hands is what's killing preg- um, women giving birth so women used yeah. to give birth and they died and he said it's because doctors not washing their hands. They're going from one birth to the next and taking all sorts of diseases with them in their hands. And they didn't believe a disease could do that. They, they didn't think of it like that. They thought it was vermin and, and stuff like that that would transfer it. So we said, wash your hands. And everyone started washing their hands in the medical community and disease and, and uh, mothers dying at birth dropped massively. I'll put the, I'll try to remember his name in a bit and I'll put it on, uh, on, on the podcast name so you can look into the story of him. It's a fascinating story for 10 years during the 1800s. He, he argued hygiene. So it's, it's common sense in that sense, but also we think this virus is airborne as well, don't we? At the same time. So it's. Yeah. The airborne thing is very confusing actually. So people keep saying, Oh, well, we've been told it's not airborne what airborne means in epidemiology terms is very different from what you and I would consider airborne. Yeah. If I cough, there are droplets floating around which you can breathe in and you will get this. That's what most people would think is airborne, isn't it? To me and you, that I would consider that airborne. It's in the air, I breathe it in, I get it. In epidemiology terms, it's not, it's not enough for it to be considered airborne. It actually has to be, you know, I breathe it, it gets carried away by the breeze and sort of floats around freely living in the air and continuing to survive in the air for long periods of time. That's what's considered airborne in purely medical terms. But I think them saying it's not an airborne disease has been quite confusing to people because what normal people would consider airborne, it absolutely is that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It, 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 and this, and this is the other thing about the science as well with this whole thing and the maths about it as well. It's, it's, I think as we're going along, we're still learning new things. And I'm hearing scientists on the TV say new things and I'm reading articles and the, the new things that were suggested. Um, there was one that came out this week about 99% of the people that have died from the coronavirus have had one underlying condition in the, before it happened. But that means there's still 1% of healthy people dying. So we need to take that as an absolute at the same time so you go read the science and understand the science but actually respect the science at the same thing at the same time it's it's oh it's it's such a it's such a huge huge thing here we go oliver wendell holmes was the doctor in the 1800s uh, it took apparently 12 years for his industry to understand that doctors medical staff were spreading disease because they didn't wash their hands and it took him 12 years to implement uh hand washing in the medical industry extraordinary isn't it extraordinary i wouldn't know who has not been washing their hands for the last <laughs> 20 30 years of their lives 40 years 50 years I of their think, lives I think it's the most concerning thing of all of us isn't it that people seem to lose their mind at medical advice to wash your hands i know I know. And then they went and bought loads and loads of pump soap. I didn't go out and buy tons of pump soap. Do you want to know why I didn't buy tons of pump soap? Because I buy it weekly and I have enough to last me at least a month. Um, but that's purely because I wash my hands. My wife's a, my wife's a nurse. So, you know, the, the good hygiene um, regime that we, we imply on ourselves here is, is, is because my wife's a nurse and she once brought norovirus home and I'm never going to forgive her for that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's ah, this 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 whole thing, this whole situation we find ourselves in, is scary. It's it's worrying, but equally we need to be positive. We need to focus on what we can do, what we can control. Um, focus on our family, our lives, and as you keep saying, James, heed the advice, heed the advice given. Don't you think? 
yeah, I think that there are plenty of people who can do their jobs reasonably well from home, and this isn't going to be a huge issue for them. You know, we're all going to struggle a little bit. All businesses are going to lose some money here. We have to accept that we're not going to be in a profitable position for most businesses. But you know, if you can do what you can from home, you know, do what you can to support your employer, get them to do what they can to support you, look after each other. Most businesses will survive this with a bit of bit of help from the government and some sensible adjustments. You know, most businesses are going to get through this. I agree. I agree. Most businesses are going to get through this. If you're in a job that's looking after you right now, you know, offer things to them that you can do to keep the you know to keep things moving forward as well. I I, I personally think in the last recession, people were offering things like not being paid. If you can afford not to be paid do it um what was the word that martin lewis used last night let me just quickly because i put it on facebook last night it was quite interesting actually and it was it was um i i personally think it was it's a powerful word um in this situation i think it was called forbearance i think it was called use uh bear with me a second i put it on facebook god alive i put a lot on facebook yeah forbearance he used forbearance is the patient self-control restraint and tolerance and having forbearance is where, you know, you, you're very tolerant with the situation. You be patient with everything. Um, and it, it's, it's encompassing with anything that's going on with you. So be patient with your credit card company. Be patient with your mortgage company because they're going to be absolutely swamped. Be patient with the checkout staff in the supermarket and they've got no chicken or they've got no protein shake or, you know, be, you know, stuff like that. Be patient with your local coffee shop. If they're closed, they're really scared as well. So go and help them out. Buy a, buy a, a, a coffee what's it called voucher from them or something for 10 quid give them some you know and then use it afterwards be patient with people around you be patient with your employer they may be finding it financially difficult but they want to keep you is there something you could do for them is there something you can help them with can they do something for you um but also reverse of that be patient with your staff if you can't afford your staff be open and honest but you don't want to get rid of them but you want to keep moving forward so that's what i love about that that word forbearance i might call the podcast forbearance by the way <laughs> From here in, yeah, um, I, I think it's entirely sensible isn't it? i mean look a recruitment company here's a prime example have the honest conversation with your staff about commission payments you know yeah if you 10 employees and you're currently paying out as much in commission as in salary and so them, look guys we're, we're going to have to get rid of five of you. You know, how would you all feel about suspending commission payments for the next six months? So, so I keep, get, yeah. keep your jobs. So I can keep all five of you and I'll give you, you know, enough money to keep yourselves going, but you know, how do you feel? And then you as the person on the other on the receiving end of that, don't get angry. Like I said, forbearance, accept it, understand it. It's not going to be forever, but we have to continue to go through this together as, as, a, as a collective. Um, I think that's important. Uh, you know, if you, if you look back in um, society or sociological history, you know, the, the human race, the, the, you know, the homo sapien human race, to survive, club together to look after themselves you you look at some of the, the the native tribes that still exist in africa to this day they club together the grandmother looks after the children whilst the the uh, the parents are out trying to to, to gather and, and stuff like that that, that that's been uh, in our society for a long time it's not just african tribes it's 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 across society in general in in chinese culture in in uh, middle eastern culture isn't it looking after themselves looking after the family as, as a unit and i think your family today is not just the people you were born to, but also your friends and your colleagues around you, because that's a tribe. And that's what I think we need to do here is realize that and become more forbearant in this situation. That's, that's my feeling, um, which is what we're trying to do, James, aren't we? We're trying to do that between yeah. ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think, yeah, look after people around you. That's the, this is the sensible thing to do at this point. You know, don't be. Don't don't hoard things. Don't, don't be greedy and selfish. You know, it's a time of crisis for everyone. You know, support and look after people who are still having to go to work, who are in those key roles, who you know can't just stay at home. Uh, and you know, and don't put them at additional risk. Don't do stupid things selfishly that are going to put people at risk. Because actually, you know, that one nurse who gets ill because you you know didn't take sensible precautions might be the one nurse that's if they were there could save an additional life 
It's, it, you know what? And that, like I said on LinkedIn quite recently as well, you know, the, the contrast of this whole crisis that we're in at the moment is me standing in the aisle in Asda looking for bog roll and, and food and it's been scoured and then coming home to watch my wife put her, her uniform on to go and look after their grandparents. That, you know what I mean? These, these people have hoarded food. You know, they're in hospital, um, infirm, ill, confused with dementia and Alzheimer's and, 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 and they're not very well people. And she's looking after them whilst their, their grandchildren or their children are, are running around like headless chicken trying to get bog roll. Uh, my wife is there. She needs food. She needs bog roll. <laughs> I don't know how to put it. But you know what I mean? If we, if we calm ourselves down and, and work together as a society, everyone will be looked after and everyone will be solved. And it will be an easy life for us all. And we come out of this stronger i think personally but um yeah it's a tough one it's a tough one for some reason something's flashed up on my screen saying we've now been an hour um so i'm gonna stop the podcast there because sometimes we can rant you and i yeah. <laughs> and um what well, we're going to try to do this regularly aren't we we're going to try our best to to kind of be a bit more positive as well in the next next one as well but it's just setting the ground isn't it we'll do, a, do a weekly or fortnightly plague update while we're locked in our houses um, yeah but i think what the idea of this podcast was just to just set it out get event our thoughts on where we are and then moving on from here then is just rebuild ourselves back up and, and, and anyone listening to this that wants to be a part of this please join in please please make some comments ask some questions for our next rant um about this situation but you know we're in it together guys we're in it together let's let's all make this a part of something and, and grow it from here um so yeah thanks james thanks for your time I will probably be speaking to you in about 10 minutes after this. <laughs> Take it easy, everyone. Thanks for listening. And I'll speak to you. I'll, I'll we'll catch you on the other side. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll do another one. Speak to you soon. Bye.